Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a National Parks podcast. In 2015, we quit our jobs to visit all of the U.S. National Parks in one year, and ever since, we have been obsessed with all things National Park Service. This is week 10 of a 62-week tour of virtually revisiting a new national park each week through a podcast episode and an in-depth guide on switchbackkids.com. We hope you learn something new and get inspired, because the national parks are for everyone. Today we're heading to 1916, the year the National Park Service was established, with the creation of Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Elizabeth. Did you know that the park's historic hotel Volcano House was first constructed in 1846? Wow. Which I've done some digging, and I think it's the oldest. I mean, nothing is telling me it's the oldest, but I can't find any National Park Lodge that is older. Brandywine Falls Inn, or Brandywine Inn, in uh, Cuyahoga Valley, was built in 1848. That's wow. the second oldest that That's I can close. find. <laughs> so this one-room grass shelter took the cake. Yeah, so it obviously had just been built and rebuilt and rebuilt since then because it was first constructed as a one-room grass shelter, then uh, was rebuilt in 1866 into a substantial wood frame structure, which Mark Twain stayed at. That's like three little pig stuff. Yeah. Now it's brick. Yeah. And at one point it actually burned not, not down. Really. It burned down uh, due to a kitchen fire, not volcanic activity. That is an interesting fun fact. And it's a beautiful park lodge that overlooks Kilauea, uh, the, the summit of Kilauea, and is just on my list for sure. Yeah. Um, so more stuff in the overview the park is most known for, of course, volcanoes. It's in the name. Um, Kilauea is one of the world's most active volcanoes, and Mauna Loa is the world's biggest shield volcano. And that is, you know, the uh, towering volcano that overlooks the whole park. Um, also known for its diversity of ecosystems, it's got tropical forests at sea level. Lava and all the way up to lava beds at 13,000 feet. Which might be the biggest, is that the biggest uh, elevation span in the national parks? You know, I was or wondering. Or is Haleakala, Haleakala, no, Haleakala is 10,000, I think. But right. the 13,000 feet of elevation span is huge. You know, we just talked about Rocky Mountain, which is about six or 7,000, I believe, from the lowest point to the highest point. Uh, but this is double. And for a, for a place like Hawaii, you wouldn't necessarily expect it. Uh, this park's also so obviously known for its frequent volcanic activity. As recently as 2018, the uh, Kilauea erupted. And it's a really interesting park that really combines science, some of the great science you know, scientists and, and, um, volcanic experts. (laughs) And then also kind of mixes it in with, uh, cultural Hawaiian legend surrounding the volcano. So that's something I really enjoyed. Yeah. I remember our first, one of our posts, our blog posts during our 
year-long trip was about that very thing, the blending of science and legend, going in deep uh, on those two, comparing and contrasting. Um, So that's a a plug for any of our posts that we did of all the national parks that are just sitting out there on our blog for you to enjoy if you want to at switchbackkids.com. But um, the, all of this you know, stuff and mostly the volcanoes and the activity makes the park quite popular. It had 1.3 million visitors in 2019. Yeah, which for a park that's not extremely easy to access is pretty impressive. So we'll go get into how to visit the park, but first let's step back just a little bit in time and talk about the history of this area. So Kilauea, the park's kind of iconic, new, it's a new volcano, it's, um, but it's definitely the most active thing that you'll experience yeah. at the park. It's most active because it's new, or it's yeah. new because it's most active. Correct, yes. <laughs> the two go hand in hand. Uh, but it was known to be home to the, the volcano goddess Pele, and it was frequently visited by Hawaiians to offer gifts to the volcano goddess. Um, in 1790, there was a huge violent eruption that killed, I believe, like 400 people. And wow. footprints can still be seen in some of the lava areas um, from that eruption in 1790. Wow, that's really dark. Uh-huh. Of Hawaiians getting caught, kind of yeah. getting caught by that lava. Yeah, I heard you the first time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just think it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the first Western visitors to the area were in 1823 with an English missionary, William Ellis, and American Asa Thurston, uh, who said it was, quote, a spectacle sublime and even appalling presented itself before us. We stopped and trembled. Astonishment and awe for some moments rendered us mute, and like statues we stood to the f- fixed to the spot with our eyes riveted on the abyss below. Yeah, which is an interesting take on on uh, this area. Definitely something that we, a lot of what we thought too, I think, as we... As we, like, gazed at the glowing lava. Yeah, imagine if you were seeing it, though, without knowing that it was going to be there. (laughs) Right. So it quickly took off as a tourist attraction, as Westerners are known to have done to these some of these uh, cultural national parks. Um, And in in the 1840s, some hotels, like we talked about, Volcano House was built also restaurants around the area. And like we said, Mark Twain visited in 1866 and famously wrote about the, the park as well. Later, Lauren Thurston, who was the grandson of that Asa Thurston who first visited, was the first Western, one of the first Westerners to visit, um, heavily advocated for the national park. And in 1907, the territory of Hawaii paid congressmen and their families to visit the area and kind of wind and dine them. Um, And then after about five years of attempting to advocate for park creation uh, and dealing with pushback from local ranchers, um, being bolstered by arguments from Teddy Roosevelt, John Muir, and others, the park was finally established on August 1st, 
1916, about three weeks before the NPS was officially established. So that's a fun coincidence. That was a double uh, a big bang for the, the Park Service. Yeah, and it was quickly internationally recognized as well. So UNESCO recognized it as an international biosphere reserve in 1980, and then a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1987. Um, and like we said recently in 2018, there was heavy volcanic activity at Kilauea, which closed the park to the public in that area. Um, And many sections of the park today are still closed due to that 2018 eruption. Yeah, lots of trails. Uh, Most famously, the Jagger Museum is closed. So as we talk about everything, you'll have to keep in mind that some of these things we're talking about may or may not be open. You just really have to pay attention because it's constantly changing. Yep. Park website, best source for up-to-date info. So now let's get to how to visit the park. Uh, First of all, when to visit and the seasonal considerations. It actually varies less by season at Hawaii Volcanoes and more by where you are in the park. Uh, Local weather at Kilauea's summit, which is 4,000 feet in elevation, varies daily. Could be rainy, could be chilly any time of the year. Uh, Then you have your temperatures varying by elevation as well. Uh, At the summit of the volcano, temperatures can be 12 to 15 degrees cooler than at sea level. Yeah, like we said, with 13,000 feet of elevation change, throughout the park, you're going to experience a lot of different climates going on. Uh, So just be prepared for that. But the park is open 24-7, and there's not necessarily a bad time to visit, I don't think. Yeah, never a bad time to visit Hawaii. No, there's not. (laughs) So speaking of that, where the park is located is on the big island, the island of Hawaii. Um, It's it's about a 45-minute drive from the town of Hilo, which only offers inter-island flights, so from the other Hawaiian islands. Um, And it's about a two-hour drive from the Kailua-Kona area, which has an airport that offers flights from inter-island and also from the mainland. And then getting around, there's no public transportation within the park, so you will probably want a rental car. Uh, And it's a big park, so that car will be put to use. It's about 325,000 acres, and you know, with a car, you can. There's lots of it that is connected with a road, so um, we recommend that. That's what we did. And then while you're on the Big Island, um, away of aside from Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, there are several other three other NPS sites on the island, um, and then many others on the other Hawaiian islands. So we'll go through those really quickly. Um, On the Big Island, uh, which we might really destroy these names, so I apologize. I'm already laughing at you. (laughs) So on the Big Island, there's a National Historic Site called Pu'uukohola Heau. Sounds good to me, yeah. And Kalokohana... That was worse. That was bad. Yeah. National Historical Park. And finally, go for it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Honua. 
National Park. Again, apologies. National Historical Park. Yeah, yeah National Historical Which Park. Which we did visit all three of those. Yeah. And definitely some interesting extra information that, uh, you know, aside from the Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, that's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, learned a lot about the culture, not as much about pronouncing the words, unfortunately. Um other Hawaii islands, though, have a lot of great parks as well. Of course, Haleakala uh, or Haleakala uh, National Park is on Maui. There is Kalua Papa on Molokai and Pearl Harbor National Memorial. You, got, you nailed that one. <laughs> God, so good. Uh, Pearl Harbor National Memorial on Oahu. Uh, and, oh, and then there's also... Uh, Hanualuli on National Monument on Oahu, which was new in 2015, and when we visited, not yet open to the public. Correct. So, yeah. So staying inside the park, um, we would definitely recommend if you can stay overnight and spend more than just a day there. That would be wonderful. So inside the park, like we mentioned, Volcano House Hotel, which is located on the summit of Kilauea Caldera. There's also two drive-in campgrounds in the park. And Cole, why don't you take those two? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Namakanipuai. Um, reservations are required there. And the campsites are... Uh, they have campsites and rustic camper cabins, as well as Kulanoakuaki. Um and that's first come, first serve with no water there. And that's but, where we stayed. Yes. Yeah. And it, it was really nice. It was really nice. And the best thing about both of these is that they are free. They're no longer free. Oh, they're no longer free. <laughs> I did look that up because when we stayed there, the campground was completely free. And now I believe they're around $10. So very cheap still. Yeah, we were very surprised to have free campsites. I think it was almost the first like actual campsites we ran into in the national parks that were free. Yeah, but no longer. Apologies. Anyway, speaking of our trip, so we visited in January of 2016. We stayed about three days. We stayed two nights at that uh, Kulana'o Kuaiki, Kulana'o Kuaiki campground. Um, we did quite a bit of hiking and some scenic drives and saw the sunset from the Mauna Kea Visitor Center. Yeah, yeah, it was an awesome three days. Um, and, it, you know, still feel like we have plenty of hiking that we can go back and do. We didn't go up uh, Mauna Loa, which would be another awesome thing. Anyway, uh, more to come. But... Um, Let's hit now the activities and specifically the must-sees. So, number one, the volcanic activity. I think that's probably the thing that everybody wants to see. Um, unfortunately, it's not easy to give a great answer because what we experienced as some of the act volcanic activity that we could see is no longer available to see. So, this varies all the time. It, volcanic areas are constantly changing, constantly, um, not constantly erupting, but frequently enough to where you want to, you need to check with the park website on what the current conditions are. Yeah. So, you know, maybe by the time you're listening to this, the 
um, views, uh, the, the caldera will be more accessible. Who knows? Uh, it was, I got to say, really cool looking into the inner caldera where the lava lake was glowing from you know the depths of the the crater so yeah, yeah but overall that's what we saw overall the, the probably the volcanic activity you're going to see is going to be around the Kilauea area mm-hmm. the Kilauea um, area of the park so that's the caldera that's part of the the crater rim drive and um, down the chain of craters road which is off of that drive is there's a 20 mile chain of craters road down to the sea that takes you through the history of different eruptions, stops at different overlooks. You can see, you can learn about the 1969, 1972, 1979, and then you can actually see where the 2003 lava flow crossed the road and kind of destroyed part of it. So that's definitely a great area to see at least the destruction from the volcanic activity, if not the volcanic activity itself. Yeah, and at the sea, it ends with a really cool sea arch. Uh, so, and you can walk along the seashore, I mean, not the shore, but uh, the cliff a little bit. Um, and then second, besides the volcanic activity, is learn about the park. You know, we mentioned this a lot, we're big learners. Um, but I would say, especially in this park, because you've both got the culture, you've got the legend, you've got the science, and you know, a great place to do that is the Kilauea Visitor Center. When it's open, the Jagger Museum is, you know, has some really fascinating exhibits uh, and footage of eruptions and all that good stuff. And then we also really love the Ranger programs, they have um, some special programs as well. Yeah, so there's a lot going on after dark. So there's a program called After Dark in the Park. So really, really good night sky. Um, When we visited, you could see the glow from the Jagger Museum. You could see the glow of of the lava. And that was kind of the biggest indication that we could see of volcanic activity. Um, So check that out if (laughs) it may or may not be happening. Um, There's also, they offer Hawaiian cultural demonstrations and living history at the Jagger Museum, or at least they did, and then uh, like cultural Hawaiian music at the Kilauea Visitor Center. And then the last must-do is a hike uh, of some sort. You have lots of options, 150 miles of hiking trails. You know, one easy one is the Nahuku or Thurston Lava Tube. That's 0.3 miles. It's you know, kind of like a cave, just a hollowed-out tube of lava that you can explore. And then probably my favorite hike that we did there was the Kilauea Iki, which is four miles. It gets you down into the caldera, and you can... Um, you know, you're, you're hiking down there. You can see all of these uh, fumaroles, the steam vents. Um, just really, uh, really makes it feel alive, the ground you're walking on. Yeah, and all four miles, I did look, as of, as of October 2020, all four miles of that trail are, have been reopened. Um, and that was definitely a really good day hike to see, to kind of 
come, you know, walk down into the, into the actual caldera and see some of that activity close up. And then finally, another great trail is the two-mile uh, Hale Mauma'u Steam Bluff and Sulphur Banks Trail. And that's a pretty easy trail. But again, you get to see a lot of that volcanic activity close up. All right. But among that, I mean, besides those trails, there's tons of hiking for every, you know, for families, for for real rugged hikers, for, for all people. So lots of options. Yeah. And speaking of other options, you all mentioned a few. We got in the questions a little late to you, so we... Um, I'm sure we'll get some after recording this as well. But the two we heard so far are seeing the lava hit the ocean and the steam it created, which I, yeah, so lucky to have seen that um, because that type of thing is super rare, not just to time it to where you can see the lava hitting the ocean or to where that's happening, but also be able to go up to a point where you can see that um, because sometimes where it's erupting and even flowing into the ocean is, is totally closed to people. Um, anyway, that's awesome. And then going back at night and seeing the glow of the lava just past the visitor center. So we mentioned that and it, that is, you know, just a constant reminder. That glow is a constant reminder of what is you know living beneath the surface. So I agree, that was really cool. Yeah, so thanks for submitting those. Now, the park is very popular, but there are definitely ways to get off the beaten path. Um, and it's not that hard. It's a big park. There's a lot of different places. T- people tend to congregate in the same places, but there are a lot of places to go if you want to get away from the crowds. So one of those places is this road off of the Chain of Craters Road, which is called the Helena Poly Overlook Road. And it stops at an overlook, which has, I've heard, we didn't actually do this road, I don't think. No. But it has great views of the area. And then there are trails coming off either direction of that overlook. So one of them is called the Ka'u Desert Trail. And then the other direction is the Helena Poly Trail. And the Helena Poly Trail is a coastal trail, which goes right along the coast, which would be, I think, would be gorgeous. Um, and then the Ka'u Desert Trail kind of goes up along the slopes of the volcano. So it gives you a very different look at um, some of the scenery and some of the volcanic activity in the area. And then another secret is the rustic camper cabins at Namakinapuai uh, Campground. And we, you know, did not, uh, did we even see these? We didn't stay at this one. No, this was the other campground. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't picture But I think it's a great option for, if you don't want to carry all your camping equipment to Hawaii like we did. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, but it's a it's they're very rustic, so you may have to have like a sleeping bag or something like that, which you can always pick up at a Walmart when you get there. Um, but a g- great option for being kind of having that camping environment uh, without having to have all the gear. So I like that option. the The last secret we have to get off the beaten path is the entire Kahuku unit of the park. 
which is like this crazy rolling pasture environment that located on the slopes of Mauna Loa in between kind of Mauna Loa and the summit and or in the sea, the ocean. Um, there's tons of good day hiking in this area and definitely a really quiet area of the park that we did, did not actually get to experience, I don't think. No. <laughs> but the, 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 the park website has a whole section on it, so lots of good um, information there on different day hikes you can do. And that would be like way off the beaten path, I think. All right, next section we got is families. What can we do for families? Uh, the, you know, one of the most fun for kids, I would think, is the Thurston Lava Tube Trail. That's really short. It's really cool just being encased by lava. Um, so option number one. Then the Pu'uloa Petroglyphs is also a short trail right off the chain of Craters Road. And besides going through the you know natural environment and walking on the lava, you can actually see at the end of it those petroglyphs. And they think that, I read a little bit about this, but they think that because of the markings around these petroglyphs, they um, some people think this is where uh, women would pr- would do the traditional practice of burying their children's umbilical cords after they were born. Wow! In this area, so definitely kind of a cool thing to learn about and then um, talk about with your family too. How you know that that evidence of of you know way way back before before anyone from the U.S. <laughs> ever visited the area. And then finally, of course, the Junior Ranger program, always offered at the parks, but this Junior Ranger program at the Hawaii Volcanoes is geared specifically towards kids 12 and under, and there's lots of ranger programs. We attended, I think, three different ranger talks and ranger programs and short little walks with the rangers and just found them to be really passionate about the area. So highly recommend those as well for families. Always. And now the big adventure section, we uh, would, uh, the, the adventure here is hiking Mauna Loa. And Mauna Loa, as Elizabeth mentioned briefly, is 13,678 feet. So almost a 14 or it's got huge, you know, um, uh, height from basically the you can go from the seafloor to the top of this um over you know multiple days because it's such a long hike but even farther than that the um it's a fascinating mountain because it is 30,000 feet tall if you go all the way to where it meets the ocean floor it's so, taller than mount everest yeah yeah. And it's also the largest active volcano in the world. It's a shield volcano, so it's a particular type of volcano, which means it's you know very wide and uh, not super steep uh, and can get really big. It is, however, not the biggest volcano even on the island because the other huge volcano, Mauna Kea, is... You know, actually, the tallest 
mountain in the world uh, because it goes, I think, 33,000 feet from ocean floor to summit. Anyway, that's that's a little extra fun fact. <laughs> but the hike of Mauna Loa is, um, there are two routes. There's, uh, at least according to the NPS website, there's Mauna Loa Road, and, which is 38.2 miles round trip, and there is the uh, other route, which I believe is the Mauna Loa Observatory route, uh, and that is 24.6 miles. And both of those have cabins along the way that you can stay at. So just make sure you uh, are planning ahead of time. Obviously, pack. It's, it's like you're heading up a summit because the weather up top is going to be a lot windier, a lot colder. So just be um, really prepared. Uh, plan out where you're going to stay as far as the specific cabins you'll run into. And, of course, get a permit. It's only a $10 permit that you can pick up at the visitor center. So do that. Hike to, you know, you can say you've hiked to the top of a mountain higher than Everest. That's (laughs) impress all the people at your parties. Sounds like a pretty big adventure to me. So getting into some of your questions... Uh, We pulled some questions from you guys, some questions from um, some frequently asked questions online to see if we can answer a couple of those for you. So the first question is, will I see lava? To be determined, I suppose. Yeah, do not count on it, I would say. Um, Especially if you're just staying within the national park. Um, We did not see lava when we were there. We saw a glow from the lava. And then we also saw, you know, evidence from previous lava flows, uh, which to me was really, really cool. Um, But don't necessarily expect the fiery red, like, like fire waterfalls that are advertised in the airport. Yeah, right. (laughs) Okay, what's another question we got? So how many days should you spend in this park? Yeah, always depends. Uh, Different for everybody, different for everybody's timeline. I would recommend, though, um, probably at least two days. And if you want to do a longer hike, which you definitely can, we just talked about Mauna Loa, that you could do a backpacking hike along the coast. Uh, There's lots of miles there to eat up. Um, If you're not doing that, though, I would say two days would be good um, to go down the chain of Craters Road uh, and then do a couple uh, you know, uh, mid-range hikes like we did with um, that four-miler into the caldera or the petroglyphs hike or something like that. Uh, what do you think? I think that's good. I think, to, I think you can see a lot in a day. Um, but you would want at least two or three days to really get off the beaten path. And that's what we like to do. We don't like to just stick with the bus crowds. Um, the, you know, the tour buses pull up and then, and let everybody out. And we like to get away from those quite a bit. So to see the, to see the highlights, you could probably do it in one day, one very busy day. Um, but I would spend at least two days seeing some of the other stuff as well. Absolutely. Now, last question, Cole. Yes. What's a good itinerary for seeing the national parks in Hawaii? 
Oh, um, all of like um, on multiple islands. Yeah. Well, I'm biased because we tried to pack in as many as we could in our you know, two weeks in Hawaii total. So, you know, I would say it's pretty easy to start with Oahu, hit Pearl Harbor National Memorial, it, just a very powerful uh, park, and then go to Maui after that, or Big Island, that you know, either or next. Um, but yeah, it, it, you got to hit Haleakala and um, maybe is there another park there? No, that's only that's only one. And then spend I would spend most of your time on the Big Island. I guess that's the main point is really because beyond the parks, there's three more cultural parks and then the Hawaii volcanoes one we've been talking about. Beyond that, there's so much cool stuff to do. Uh, I wish we had more time at at Big Island in particular. Yeah, the island of Hawaii really surprised me because it is so... It felt very rural. It felt like pastoral lands, you know, like rolling hills and um, not necessarily Hawaii, what I think of when I I think of Hawaii. Um, So I think there's so much to do there. That was definitely one of my favorite islands, as well as Maui. I can't decide between the two because uh, Maui definitely had a different flair to it. Um, but yeah, as lo- as much time as you can spend in Hawaii, the better. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that brings us to our final section. Yes. Something to think about. And this one is simply the fluidity of nature. And in the case of Hawaii volcanoes, that can be quite literal uh, with the fluidity of the lava there and how it literally changes the land, um, you know, even but year by year. So um, that's just, you know, it, in one sense, it can be really cool if you are lucky enough to time it just right. Um, in other senses, it can be kind of disheartening if there are th- if it causes things to close and you time it wrong and you are there when things they're going in, 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 through a recovery period like part of what's going on right now um, you know the their website literally says on the road to recovery uh, and has a whole list of sections that are that have been rebuilt and reopened, but also areas undergoing evaluation and areas closed indefinitely. So, you know, but also you could, uh, you sometimes these lava eruptions go on for a certain, you know, for multiple days. So if you're really gung-ho, you could try to get there when you hear a lava uh, or an eruption happening, um, that's kind of a, a high risk, high reward strategy. But um, the main point is, you know, it, Hawaii volcanoes is the epitome of nature and how it evolves and changes. And you know, when I think about that myself it always motivates me to go and enjoy these places now. You know, I think about that a lot with climate change too. Um, and it, it, it's a little different but similar with 
Hawaii volcanoes. Go now and you know, appreciate what you can see when you can see it. And you can always try to go back, but um, you'll never be able to time it perfectly. Um, or maybe you will. Yeah, we will see. We will see. I think when we go back next time, it'll be completely different than when we saw it the first time. Mm-hmm. And that's the spirit of the park, always changing. Yeah, so thanks for joining us as we revisited the U.S.'s 10th national park, Hawaii Volcanoes. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear from you on our website, switchbackkids.com, or on our social media, at switchbackkids. Yeah, tell us what you liked and what you want more of, and send us your questions for future parks. Next week, we'll be heading back to the mainland to another volcano-heavy national park, Lassen Volcanic. Until then... Switchbacks out. out.